This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Tom Offerman and Jacob Brecht with you on another edition of the Steelers Standard. Well, we were saying it all last week. The Raiders are the Pittsburgh Steelers bogey team. And what happened? The Las Vegas Raiders came into Heinz Field and handed your Pittsburgh Steelers the first loss of the 2021 campaign, 26 to 17 the Raiders came out on top in this one we've got a lot of things to get to in this episode and episodes to come of the Steelers standard as really there's an avalanche of topics that we need to sink our teeth into as to why the Steelers lost this game Uh, I want to start with a questionable decision from Mike Tomlin though that fourth and one punt when there was about eight minutes left in the ball game, maybe a little bit more than that. Steelers down nine points. Yes, they are deep in Raiders territory or in their own territory, excuse me. So if you fail to get fourth and one yard, the Raiders would just have a chip shot field goal without even having to move the ball at all. That being said, with the circumstance of the game being late in the fourth quarter, getting late into the fourth quarter, the fact that you were down by two scores, and the fact that you really just needed to trip forward and get that first down, that seemed like a waving of the white flag to me. I know Tomlin in no way meant it that way. Afterwards, he explained that he felt confident his defense could force a three and out. And they did. That they did not force drive. a three and out. The Raiders picked up a first down, I believe, on that drive. So they ended up moving the ball a little bit down the field. They did end up stopping. Right. It was a, a four-play Of drive. course I'm right, Jacob. All they... Right. Did end up stopping them, but they ended up getting a first down on that, so they ended up extending it a little bit longer than Tomlin was hoping for. But that being said, but it wasn't killer. Can't punt the ball in that situation. You got to go for it. You're just signaling to everybody that although you explain how confident you are in your defense is the reasoning why, the real reasoning why, if you read between the lines, is I don't think my offense can get a single yard. And that's very concerning because that was the tune we've been singing for the past couple of seasons here in Pittsburgh. Thought that was going to change with Canada. Thought that was going to change with Najee Harris. And it still might, but we haven't seen any evidence of that so far, at least in their first big test in that situation like we saw Sunday. Yeah, I I mean, what expectations could you have of the Steelers to get that final yard on that fourth and one when at that point they had just gone essentially three and out on the three plays before. They had gone three plays for nine yards, couldn't get a single first down. And I understand the frustration by Steelers fans to say, why not go for it? But for the circumstances that you laid out, Tom, they were deep in their own territory. Vegas have been moving the ball pretty effectively against the defense. That's another issue we need to talk about later on. But there were, there were no signs from your offense that they were coming back to life. I, I mean – Yes, they had just put up a, a nice touchdown earlier in the game, but right after they, they start to come back and they and they get within two points, 14-16 Vegas lead, that very next drive, it's the Henry Ruggs touchdown. So I understand the frustration that you wanted to keep the ball in Ben's hands, but there was only – there was very few evidence. There was very little evidence – to suggest that the Steelers could actually go out and get that fourth and one conversion. And that's something the Steelers struggled with a lot last year was getting that one yard or that two yards on a third and two or a fourth and one. They were one of the worst teams, if not, I believe, the worst team in the NFL on third and, on, on two and two yards or less to go to get a first down, regardless of the game scenario. So 
something they definitely struggled with last year and it kind of looked like they were living in their fears about that looming statistic from last year because they did not go for it on fourth down and that's the biggest problem there is that you're saying that there was no evidence in the game that they would give you confidence to get the one yard and if that's true that's fine but that's a problem is that you haven't seen evidence that tells you yeah we can pick up a yard no problem when we have to have it happen i mean we saw all throughout the nfl yesterday third and shorts fourth and shorts Derek Carr did it himself on a third and one deep mm-hmm. in steelers territory get underneath center and just fall forward and follow that push in the line and get a first down um you could say you know ben roethlisberger is really old he's 39 years old he's injury prone as it is you don't really want to risk him getting absolutely destroyed in a game that he was already getting destroyed in uh, by sneaking it up the middle. And then I just raise you that there's a 45-year-old man in Tampa yep. Bay that does it like his Every bread, his bread and butter. So I don't really see any excuse here. And honestly, I'm okay with even handing the ball off to Najee Harris there. Absolutely. You should be able to get a yard no matter what, no matter what. And you know what? How did they score their touchdown when they were on the goal line? They motioned about five different guys in, went from shotgun to under center, reverse or jet sweep to Juju for an easy touchdown. Mm-hmm. Where's that kind of a play call on fourth and one in your own territory when you need to get that first down? Those are the things that are, are really troublesome to me. Again, I wish they would have gone for it, but I see your side of it where I can understand Tomlin questioning if they can get that yard. But then that's a bigger problem as well, is that if you're questioning you can't get that yard, that's a huge problem for it, your offense. It's extremely reminiscent of the Cleveland Browns playoff game on the on the fourth down. On the punt down, there. On the punt there. And they were even in more plus territory I, at that I, point. I, I think they were closer to midfield. They were. So they were yesterday they were, I think, on their own twenty five, thirty five yard line. So there's a trend here. There definitely is a trend and a to extend the circumstances, you are extremely deep in your own territory. I mean, that is if you turn the ball over, if you don't get that that ball, and oh, it's a huge, turn over downs, it's a huge risk. But you have to take it at that point. Oh yeah, absolutely. What my mindset but at that is. point, and then you're down by twelve points at the minimum instead of nine. I mean, it's still a two possession game, regardless. Right. Exactly. So I, I, I guess I just kind of talked myself into the opposite of saying it's going to be a two possession game, regardless. Why not try for it? But I mean, you said I'd be happy with giving the ball to Najee Harris, as would I, Tom. It's just if they came out and they gave the ball to Najee Harris, but Ben lined up in the shotgun with Najee to his left or right, and he didn't get it, we'd all be saying, I'm glad they went for it, but what the hell was that play call? That was just as bad as Sean McDermott a week ago. How could you have a fourth and one call, and you're lining up, you're you're giving the ball to Ben five yards, six yards behind the line of scrimmage? on the snap and then you have to wait for him to hand the ball off to Najee Harris I mean I remember the game against the San Diego Chargers at the time with Le'Veon Bell right it was third and goal or second and goal and there was three seconds left on the clock Mike Tomlin said I'm not going to kick the field goal to time I'm going to go for the touchdown the win it was a direct snap to Le'Veon Bell I think I don't know if he was under center or shotgun but he took it out of the shotgun I mean that's still a better play call than what would have been a shotgun pa- shotgun snap to Ben to hand off to his left or right side to Najee Harris. I mean, that didn't happen, so I can't say, Matt Canada, what were you thinking? Because that obviously wasn't reality. But we'd all... I, I expect almost expect that to happen if that was the decision to go for it, as much as I was saying to myself a little bit earlier, saying, well, I expect them to not get the yard here, and that's why I was 
I was not okay with, but I was understanding of the decision to not go for it. And part of me, you know, is also thinking you got to just sneak the ball there. I mean, that that's yeah, where I think all this conversation right. we're having is is correct and that these are plays that you can run. But then I also just sit here and think we're overcomplicating it because you need a yard. You just need to sneak that ball right up the middle. You should be able to get a push. And even if you don't get that much of a push, Ben is six foot five. He should be able <laughs> to just fall forward and grab that extra inch, just that have, extra yard. Just have Kendrick Green give a little push and just have Ben just extend over Kendrick Green. You do that. You have uh, Watt and Harris in the eye formation behind him pushing Ben mm-hmm. along the way. I mean, it just is a very easy play. It's the first play you like really learn when you're running and you're playing football in your youth and you need to get a yard. It's the most tried and true way to pick up one yard and it just doesn't seem to be in the Steelers playbook and this is not a new thing with Canada. It just has not seemed to be in the playbook for a long long time now with this team uh, Ben Roethlisberger uh, looked a little displeased when he was called off the field for the punt team uh, saw some of the video again this morning shaking his head uh, demonstratively ripping off his his chin strap so and you also saw Najee shaking his head a little bit as well so the players themselves really didn't seem to agree with that but the part of me that's a little you know scratching my head is how does Ben Roethlisberger not have the you know ability to wave the punt team off the field and just decide to go for it? Right, I, it was, I don't get that. It's it's now come out from the Baltimore Kansas City game. It was Lamar Jackson's call to go for it, and a, you on, see the video of Harbaugh asking him. He's yelling, "Lamar, are we going for this?" And that's a lot of trust in a quarterback who's been there for four years. That guy's exactly. Where's he's the only, trust for Ben? He's only what 26, 27 years old. Lamar Jackson, if not younger, twenty five. Ben Roethlisberger is 39 years old. Mm-hmm. He's been on the team for longer than his head coach has mm-hmm. been. How do you not say – I, I don't understand how Ben Roethlisberger you – know, we, we discuss all the time about in, 20, in 2020 how there were probably some designed runs, and mm-hmm. he made the audible at the line of scrimmage to say, no, I want to pass here. How is it not that he has that ability but not the ability to say, I, I know I can get this one yard. Let me do it. Is, is is there I don't want to say trouble in paradise because this is no. not a paradise scenario to go one on one to start the season, but do you think that there's some type of butting of the heads no. between Bennett and, and Tomlin on this decision? No, I think it's the exact opposite actually. I think Ben was disappointed in the decision, but the fact that he just yielded, came off the field without much of a guff shows shows how much he, he respects okay Tomlin with, and okay. how much he goes with what Tomlin says is is gonna be the case, but uh, you know, and I, I think, you know, the narrative could be if you saw Ben waving off the punt team and they don't get the first down, then everybody in the national media is going to be like, oh, I can't believe Ben decided to do that. Look at how selfish he is. I mean, everybody in the national media just looks for that little, little thing that they can jump all over Ben for. So that would have been another one. But I really would have liked to see Ben overrule the coach in that situation. But again, that's, that's a slippery slope that you go down because if you have a quarterback that just starts overruling the coach left and right, you will lead to a trouble in paradise situation. The 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 not going for it on fourth and one. I mean those those are arguments we could make back and forth until we're blue in the face. The big killer was obviously the Henry Ruggs touchdown, the deep ball, sixty six yards was it? Sixty one. Sixty one yards to Henry Ruggs. Uh, right after Najee Harris had a phenomenal catch and run for a touchdown, mm-hmm. brought the Steelers within two points. Renegades playing. It's a third down for the Raiders, and Derek Carr goes deep. Minka Fitzpatrick. 
Man, I don't we know spent. If it was really Minka. Minka was playing the cover guy. It was Minka's fault. It was Minka and Witherspoon's fault, but it was Minka's fault because, as Tomlin said in the post-game press conference, we didn't keep the lid on it. Mm-hmm. You got to keep the lid on things, and that's Minka's job more than anything Absolutely. is to keep the lid on things. Uh, Witherspoon did get burned. Why? Why is it Witherspoon though? That's well, my that's the th- here's the thing with the rate. Well, first of all, Hayden's out, so obviously everybody gets bumped up a little bit on the depth chart. You got. Uh, you got Pierre playing uh, opposite of Sutton for the most part. Lane's going to have to play more, and then Witherspoon's going to have to play more. And, you know, Henry Ruggs, he kind of is that forgotten guy in that receiving core. Renfro had some really big catches up to that point. Obviously, Darren Waller and Foster Moreau, the two tight ends, are, are crucial parts of that offense. And uh, Brian Edwards, the second-year man, seems to be getting close to being Derek Carr's go-to wide receiver on that team, mm-hmm. uh, Darren Waller being a tight end, of course. But, you know, Henry Ruggs, he kind of falls into that third or fourth spot sometimes, and that's dangerous because he's a young Alabama man who is really, really fast, probably the fastest guy on the field, and he proved that on that play. So, yeah, that's probably why Witherspoon gets him in that uh, situation. He gets burnt to a crisp. Minka kind of is cheating to the other side of the field, and it's too late before he realizes what's happening to Witherspoon that he can't recover in time to catch Ruggs. Like I said, it's almost impossible to catch Ruggs once he has a step on you. He's so fast. So I put Witherspoon to blame, and I put Minka to blame on that play. But overall, that's just a backbreaker, especially when it's third down for the Raiders, and you could get off the field if you just force an incompletion there. Yeah. Is it just me, Tom, or do you feel like Renegade every time that song is played? It doesn't really have that same effect as it did when in the early years when it was a guaranteed thing, a three and out for the defense and, and giving the ball back to, the, to Ben and company. I don't know. That that could just be a, a wildly inaccurate statement. I think it's just a coincidence because those defenses were really, mm-hmm. really freaking the good. The defense back then. still is really good, and I kind of expected yesterday once, though with all the injuries. Oh well, abs- Well, with the injuries, it's an it, a, it it's shows a, it's an it, above average, slightly defense. Then with with the injuries, it shows just how important having every single one of those starters available to you truly is for this unit. You can lose one guy, maybe you can lose two, but when one of those four people includes T.J. Watt, that really exposes the overall team. And any team to lose four guys is going to struggle. You ask the L.A. Rams, are you willing to say you have the confidence in your defense to win a game or or stop the opposing offense if Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey are both out for you. They're going to say no. And whoever your middle linebacker is, and and, and another offense or defensive line. Yeah, throw another one in there too. It doesn't matter. It, to lose four starters, we came in on Sunday morning and and we knew that there were problems with Devin Bush, but we didn't expect that to be a legitimate issue to keep him out of the game. No. Same with Joe Hayden. Well, Joe Hayden was a huge surprise. You heard Minka say at the post-game press conference they didn't know Minka was out until the beginning of the game. Right. There was a possibility that Devin could not play, but the Joe Hayden thing kind of really threw you for a loop, and then you immediately lose Tyson Alawalu, I think, what, on, on the first drive? It was first really early. drive of the game? He's out for the year, too. That's very unfortunate for him. It's just a, a huge detriment to the team, not just to, I mean, a huge detriment to Tyson, but a huge detriment to the team. And then, I don't know, when, when did TJ go down? Because it wasn't that he went down on a play. You just all of a sudden heard, oh, TJ's Yeah, on he's the not out there line. anymore. He, he's, not, he's without his helmet. His helmet's nowhere to be. He's, he's just talking to people. And then he comes out of halftime, and, you know, he's 
he's not playing. We know he's not playing. So you lose two guys within the first half in addition to two other starters. It's going to be costly for you. And even though none of those guys, I mean, Joe Hayden may have been on that Henry Ruggs touchdown, but it's still it's something that I would say out of 32 teams, maybe 30 can overcome. You said maybe Joe Hayden's on that on that Henry Ruggs touchdown, and maybe you're right, and maybe he does you know have better coverage than Witherspoon did. But I'll say this: on that Henry Ruggs touchdown, if you have a T.J. Watt and an Alu Alu rushing the passer, especially a T.J. Watt, maybe Derek Carr doesn't have the time it takes mm-hmm. for Ruggs to get that far down the field for that kind of a deep ball to be unleashed. That play was obviously a backbreaker, but another one that really killed me. After the uh, touchdown to Ruggs and the Steelers punted and then the Raiders punted after getting just one first down uh, and the Steelers had a a nine-point deficit with about six minutes left in the game, they go down and they kick a field goal. So they give the ball back to the Raiders. By the way, 56-yard field goal, longest in the history of Heinz Field. Shout-out to Chris Boswell. What a stud he's Shout-out to everyone else, all the legendary kickers who came before him, Justin Tucker, Steven Goskowski, Adam Vinatieri, who never did that. Tough place to kick, and Chris Boswell is the king as far as that's concerned. The Raiders get a field goal on their next drive, and that was the nail in the coffin. But the play that really hurt, it was first and 10, Peyton Barber left tackle for three yards. That's okay. It's a mm-hmm. little bit too much of a positive game for them on first down, but you can live with that. It's second and seven. On second and seven, the Raiders decide to pass the ball. That's a risk, and honestly, if I'm a defensive team trying to force a stop with only one timeout left and that two-minute warning like the Steelers had, man... I love seeing them try to pass the ball because that incompletion is huge. Mm -hmm. But instead, he completes it to Darren Waller for 25 yards into Pittsburgh territory. You know, we talk about the Ruggs thing being the backbreaker, and it really was for the most part. But that one really is the twisting of the knife into the wound there because, again, when Carr was dropping back to pass, I was saying to myself out loud, yes, they're passing the ball. This is it. They could make a huge mistake here, stop the clock, and then the Steelers get a timeout and have a two-minute warning to play with when they get the ball back. And just seeing him complete that pass to Waller downfield, uh, Schobert in coverage, Minka was trying to get over late to help. But that's you got to be better on Waller in that situation. He's their go-to guy, and we've, we've said all week, that you got to bracket him, and I think Minka was trying to get over there to help with the double coverage. But Schobert, as good as he was in that game in some coverage situations against Waller, is just it's not going to go well for the Steelers for the most part in that matchup. No, we said coming into this game that you can't trust your typical linebackers to cover a guy like Darren Waller. He's not your normal. He's a wide receiver. He's not your normal tight end. He is a wide receiver, so you have to put someone in your secondary who's used to man-on-man coverages, and that's clearly not what they were doing, and even though as you said, Tom, that Schober did have some some splash plays. He had a couple pass breakups, but when he's covering Darren Waller, that's going to be a mismatch for Darren. It not, it's nothing against Joe Schober. Joe Schober, or Darren Waller is going to be a mismatch for any almost any middle linebacker he goes up against. There are very few guys in this league that could probably cover him uh, as well as a as a guy who, as a defensive back. And yeah, I mean, as you said, if Minko could have been there as as the pinup guy, maybe that ball doesn't get completed. But that's obviously not what happened. And then soon after that, you know, they're still within driving range. I mean, they're still within field goal range, but it's it's not entirely out of this world to say they could miss the field goal but then right after that Peyton Barber gets a 13 yard run Uh which a extends the drive and b keeps the clock running 
Yeah, it, it's just it was just backbreaker after backbreaker. The defense just was not able to stop that Raiders offense when it counted. And you don't want to make any excuses, but this is just reality. I think a lot of fatigue set in for that defense late in that game. I think so, too. Uh, you, like we said, you're missing four starters on the defensive side. You have to call upon that depth, and that depth is okay for the Steelers, but it's not the best depth in the National Football League. But regardless, when four guys are out and unable to retor- return, the depth guys that are supposed to you know, just be spot guys to give guys breaks to, to be – at full strength come that fourth quarter, well, they're playing the entire game now, and they don't have anybody that can really jump in for them and give them blows significantly. So, you know, I think it's it's fair to say, even though it's it's no reason why you should have lost this game, but it is fair to say that this defense definitely lost some steam and had some fatigue set in late in that fourth quarter. I think guys like Cam Hayward, you know, he said after the first game he was openly vocal with Tomlin in the offseason saying, you know, don't be afraid to take me out more, you know, throughout the game for a couple spots here and there so I'm fresher come later in the game on those big pass rushing situations. Well, with two it already gone and Alu Alu going down, you can't really afford any chance of having just a um uh Chris Wormley and a Isaiah Loudermilk out and, there. You need Hayward out there all the time and and, and that, about that, that fatigues the, the guy. He talked about that in the post game saying, not only do I have to step up for this team, but especially when the injuries come into it, into as a factor, I really need to be the guy to step up because I I know I'm the leader here and it it falls on my shoulders. So it's kind of not ironic, but it's just weird how that played out. And after the week one game, when you're feeling on top of the world, beating what you consider a top three team in this league, maybe even a top four at worst in Buffalo, Cam saying, "Oh yeah, I mean, take me out. Like I trust my guys." And then when you lose your four starting teammates. He's saying to himself after a loss against what people were probably thinking were a lesser team in, in the Vegas Raiders, saying, "No, you got to It's it's on me, man. I mean, it doesn't matter if we lose everyone. If we lose ten starters and I'm the only one left, it's on me to win that game for us or keep that game available, a possibility to win for us." Well, since I made a little bit of an excuse for the Steelers, I'm going to give a little bit of credit to the Raiders here to kind of wrap things up in this episode. Derek Carr. We said it all week long. I said it on some other podcasts I do for uh, the Steelers. You've said it on other stuff that you've been on. Very underrated quarterback. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. And by God, did he just go out and prove that to be the case. 382 yards, 28 for 37. And he only had nine incompletions yesterday. That's phenomenal. And he averaged 10.3 yards per completion. What did I say all last week? He's pushing the ball downfield more. 8.5 yards downfield average in 2020. That was his highest in his career. Well, it was the case again against the Steelers when he averaged 10.3 yards per completion. Two tutties, no interceptions. He had the highest QBR of any quarterback in Week 2 with a 79.3, a quarterback rating of 126.2. And the main thing, Steelers weren't really able to get much pressure on Carr. He got sacked twice to the tune of a loss of nine yards. So when he was getting sacked, he was doing a good job of not making it a catastrophic kind of deal for him. And as far as the quarterback hits are concerned, they only hit Carr five times. So that's a different tune from what they had going for them against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Derek Carr, for the most part, was very comfortable in that pocket. And again, just like against the Ravens, kind of a tale of two halves for Carr. He did okay in the first half. But in the second half, he looked like a top-five quarterback again. 
He did, and in that third quarter when he threw that second touchdown for them to Foster Moreau, he took a while to get up from that place. He got rolled up on by a Steeler. And I was thinking, man, two things. I was thinking two things. Man, what a break this could be for the Steelers if they're without Derek Carr and without Marcus Mariota. I don't even know who the backup quarterback is. Oh, it's Nate point. Peterman, buddy. Oh, is it? Yeah. Pete, he's going to throw four interceptions Hail to Pitt. But, um... I was thinking that, but simultaneous, simultaneously, because it looked very similar to the Tyson Aluwalu injury that was suffered earlier on in the day. Tyson couldn't even walk off the field. Derek Carr got didn't get right up, but he was able to get up on his own and walk off the field on his own. He obviously came back for the rest of the game. But I was thinking before he did that, what a shame this could be if this is going to be the same injury as Tyson and this just sidelines Derek Carr for... However long, whether it's multiple weeks or the rest of the season, this guy just cannot catch a break. This team can't catch a break with keeping him healthy as well. But that's not what happened. He came back, and I don't want to say I'm happy about it. I'm happy that he's okay, but that kind of led to the the demise of the Steelers. Nate Peterman's not throwing a 61-yard touchdown pass to, uh, to Henry no, Ruggs later, later in the game. So. Or completing that pass to Waller. Right. I mean, there there were several down. there were several Waller passes. There were several several Hunter Renfro first down conversions. Derek Carr is just I as as you started to say one of the more underrated quarterbacks, and I think this is probably his best offense he has available to him with his best offensive minded coach for sure. Right, and and th- and that's you know that was being compared to an offense when he had Amari Cooper on his team, but that was a much different place that was a different head coach than Jack Del Rio totally different era now for the Las Vegas Raiders and I yeah I think you're absolutely right in that assessment I think now it's a time as as you start to say as much as you want to say play the blame game for the Steelers you can give proper credit to the to the Raiders because now especially with Baltimore beating Kansas City and the Steelers beating Buffalo the Raiders are 2-0 against two very good teams so we were going into the season doing our preseason rankings saying it's probably going to be the Kansas City Chiefs winning the AFC West, the Chargers being the wild card team to come out of that division. The Raiders, are, we don't even mention the Raiders in our playoff predictions saying, oh, well, I have our seven teams and then eight, nine, and ten are these teams floating around there. Neither of us mentioned the Raiders in those conversations. Maybe it's time to start taking the Raiders a little more seriously. If Derek Carr can stay healthy, I will keep take the Raiders very seriously. That's the key for them. He gets injured a lot. And like you said, he almost had that injury happen to him against the Steelers on that one touchdown pass. One thing I want to give him credit for, he got a little Darren Waller happy in week one against the Ravens, 19 targets. He did a phenomenal job spreading the ball around. Mm -hmm. Ruggs, Waller, and Renfro, all three had seven targets, and Kendron Drake had six targets as well. So he was spreading the wealth around because the Steelers' defense obviously saw what happened last Monday night. They keyed on Waller a lot. And Carr didn't force the issue. Seven targets for three different wide receivers and six targets for a running back in Kenyon Drake. That's a phenomenal job of of you know spreading, spreading the, the wealth around your offense. And that's that's a main that's a big reason why he is so successful and what makes him a much better quarterback than I think a lot of people realize is that, you know, quarterbacks who are, are you know, floating around that middle of the pack, they'll just get you know the the hard eyes for Darren Waller, and they'll just go to him twenty four seven. And Carr saw the Steelers defense trying their best to take that away, even though they couldn't for the most part of the game. But 
he spread that wealth out. And, and again, that's just another feather in his cap for me saying he's a much better quarterback than I think a lot of people give him credit for. The Steelers were saying to themselves, we have to strat- we have to make the right game strategy against Darren Waller. Well, I'm sure Derek Carr and John Green were saying to themselves, we have to make the right game strategy here to make sure that it's not the Darren Waller show again. We know they're going to be planning for him. Let's get our other guys involved. And that's exactly what they did. And that's exactly how they won the game. That'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for checking us out. Go to Steelers.com, Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. Hit the download and subscribe to the Steelers Standard. We always appreciate that. Going to keep talking about Steelers and Raiders on a lot of our episodes this week, so make sure you keep an eye out for future ones. For Jacob Brecht, I am Tom Opperman. Thanks, as always, and we'll talk to you on the next edition of the Steelers Standard.